0: Praise God. Let's give it up for Jesus now. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you tonight. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for what you've already done and how you've visited us, Lord, this entire week. We thank you, Lord God, that. You have more for us, and I just pray that every ear is open to hear, and every heart's open to receive, all that you have to say tonight from the word of God. I ask you, Lord, to speak through my lips, that I may speak with utterance and boldness. Let the mysteries of the gospel be made known. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We give you glory. Amen. amen. And amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> One of the things that as I've been in ministry for many years, and one of the things I've seen in the last few months, in the last few years actually, last couple of years in the church, one of the tactics the enemy has been using to stop the mission that God wants to do, he's individually in some way and then corporately in some way has attacked the trust in the heart's believers and tonight I want to talk about I want to share from the scriptures how to trust God are we can say it simply this way in God we trust if there's anything I can say to you is that we must get our trust back to a place where it was before that's how we trust God before the pandemic how we trust God to be where we are right now how to trust God get the things in our life. we got to get to that place where in God we trust. It's not just about money, but in God we trust, period. In God we trust, regardless of what's happening in the world. What does it mean to trust in God? What does it mean when we say trust in God? Does it mean going to church? Does it... It means, you know, worshiping? Does it mean reading my Bible? What does it mean to trust in God? We say it, but I believe it's important for us as the church, the big C, the church as a whole, is to get our trust and our focus directly into God. Tonight, somebody's going to a new faith in their relationship with God. Tonight, somebody's going to get back into that place of trusting God in their life. Tonight, somebody's walking away from fear and walking into a place of trust in God. Tonight, somebody stopped believing the reports of the world and believing in what God's word says, period. Period. I want you to say it out loud. In God, God, I trust. trust. Say it now, say it like you mean it. In God, God, I I trust. In God, I trust. People have asked me, how have you been in a place where you've been able to Do what you do in ministry for so many years, you know. As I think about it, often I don't even think about all the things I've done until I hear someone do an introduction like Pastor Richard just did for me. Because I'm so focused on doing what God's told me to do. I have so many of my peers and friends in ministry, and it's not to to throw anybody under the bus, but I watch people. All of a sudden, God was so good to you at one point, and all of a sudden you stop trusting him. You start trusting alcohol, and you start trusting pornography, and you start trusting the world, and trusting politics, and trusting all of them, looking for what the world has to offer. But there's no one we can trust that will get us to where we're supposed to be, like God. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's one of the scriptures early on in my life that I begin to digest and begin to meditate on. And I begin to understand the scripture time after time. I've had crisis. I've had things in my life I had to believe in God for. And I know there are pastors here and people here. And you're believing God right now. You're holding on and you're, you're saying, God, win, win. Well, we have to understand what the Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 5 and, and, and um, verse 6. It says, trust in the Lord. With all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Did you hear that? Trust in the Lord, not with some of your heart. Trust in the Lord, not just at the summit. Trust in the Lord, not just when I need a miracle. Trust in the Lord, not when things are messy in my life. Trust in the Lord, not just when there's a pandemic. Trust in the Lord, not when I need money. Trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. That's enough right there. We could stop right there and celebrate and say, oh, God, that's awesome. But then he takes it a little further. Look at verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall. Direct your path. That's so powerful. How many ways did God say we should trust Him? How many ways the scripture says? How many? Not some of them, all of our ways. The key to Having the mission that God has for us individually, the mission that God has for us in ministry, the mission that God has for us in our marriage, the mission that God has for us in, in, our, in all the things in our life, we must acknowledge Him in all our ways. And I admit, it's easier said than done. In the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, when the Hebrew Hebrew is written backwards, it's not written in how we. Um, how how we read in in North America and other places in the world. It's actually written backwards. And so this particular scripture reads a different way. It really sums it up and how we should trust God. I want you to hear this and how it's written in the Hebrew. It says this, The pleasing way is to acknowledge the Lord in everything. Leaning not to your own understanding is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. I want you to understand that. How is it that we trust in the Lord with all our heart? It says here, leaning not to your own understanding. And here's the the challenge. So many people are leaning to their own understanding. Do you know that the Lord would have you do things that don't make sense at all? The Lord will have you do things that this doesn't make sense. My understanding says this has to happen there. Um, This has to equal this. I have to have this before I do that. No, that's what the world says. But God says, mean not to your own understanding, is to trust him. How do I trust God? Not to lean to my own understanding. Trust is clearly seen here. When I read this scripture, one of the things that points out to me, and I was just meditating on it today uh, uh, in my hotel room, and I'm just thinking of this, and one of the things the Lord highlighted to me that trust is clearly seen as a position of the heart. One that leans into the Lord before it leans into anything else. I'm leaning into the Lord before I lean into anything else. Unfortunately, we live in a culture today that trust has been replaced with worry and anxiety and stress and fear and trouble and grief and hopelessness. But what does trust mean? It's time to get our trust back. Matter of fact, I'm gonna say it this way: it's time to trust up. Everybody says it's time to trust up. No, sit. Say it from here. Say it from your gut. It's time to trust up. I feel something when I say that. It's time to trust up, fellas. It's time to trust up, ladies. It's time to trust up, church. It's time to get our trust back into what God says. I'm going to preach faith into you tonight. I'm going to preach that fear out of you. I'm going to preach that anxiety out of you. I'm going to preach that worry out of you. I'm going to preach that stress out of you. In the name of Jesus. Trust up. Woo! Say it out loud. Say, trust up. I'm going to trust up. My God, the anointing of God is in this place. What is trust? Here's what trust is. Trust is a firm belief and an acceptance in the truth. The ability or the strength of someone or something without evidence. It is the firm belief. I firmly believe I have accepted the truth in the ability and the strength of almighty God. I firmly believe that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I firmly believe I shall live and not die. I firmly believe that I'm the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I firmly believe that no, listen, I firmly believe that the calling and the purpose of God on my life will be fulfilled. Everybody say, trust up. Trust up. What is trust? You know, my daughter, when she was a little girl, showed me the evidence of this firm belief in acceptance and acceptance in the truth of someone. My daughter, when she was younger, I would, uh, uh, Alexis, she's now 28 years old. And when she was a little girl, and I remember talking to her about, say, Alexis, I, I want to play this game with you. she says, Dad, what are we going to play? We're going to play the trust game. She says, how do you do it? I said, here's what you do. You close your eyes, and you put your, cross your arms, and you fall, and dad's going to catch you. She's like, you wanna? I said, you want to play? She's like, uh-huh. <laughs> I said, well, close your eyes. She closed her eyes. I said, I'm going to count to three. I want you to cross your arms. She crossed her arms, and I mean she was firmly in belief and accepting what her dad just told her. And she closed her eyes, and I said, one, are you ready? She says, yes, sir. I said, two, are you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm ready, Daddy. Three. I said, now fall. She fell forward with everything she had and hit the floor. I'm looking at her, I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's firmly believing. Firmly accepting the truth. The strength of someone, my word, amen. I'm thanking God that when she fell, thank God there was a pillow from the sofa that was on the floor, that she hit it first in her face. But that's how we ought to trust God's word. When God tells you, hey, I'm gonna take care of the situation. When God tells you, listen, you, you, you will live. When God tells you that you are, that there's hope in your life, you just need to cross your arms in faith, close your eyes, and fall in the hand of God. Let him catch you tonight. In God we trust. We talk about it all the time. We see it every day. It's on our currency. It actually uh, on, the, on the U.S. currency the word in God we trust first appeared in 1864. The reason why in God we trust was actually put on our money, on our currency, because during the Civil War, there was such a move of God happening that the soldiers were sending back word to the government saying, listen, it's only God that's gotten us through this. It's only God that's caused us to win this. So we we want to establish that it's in God we trust. And that became the anthem for the United States of America to the point in in 1956, President Eisenhower made it and signed it into law that this will be the anthem of America, in God we trust. But I have a question. How have we moved from a place of in God we trust to a mindset of mistrust? as a generation. We have seeing now a mistrust. People are mistrusting what God's word says. We're taking the world's word over what the word of God says to the point where we've been programmed everything. We've been programmed and told not to trust, trust everything else except God. And we all have been there. We've all been guilty of it. That we've been programmed. It's amazing how we can put our trust in things without questioning it. But when God tells us to do something, all of a sudden we just, we, we start questioning him. I don't, that don't make sense. I don't understand. There's a lot of things that don't make sense, but we put our trust in it. I'm watch, I watch how people trust. The first thing that comes across social media, they see something, don't read it, don't understand where it's coming from, and they start to share it right away. We we trust pilots. We trust airline pilots. We get on planes, airplanes. When you get on an airplane, when's the last time you asked the pilot, can I see your pilot's license? (laughs) You know, I don't don't believe I'm going to die, but I just want to know. That, you know, you know how to fly this plane. You get on that plane, you don't even ask him his name. He tells us or she tells us their name, but for the most part, we get on this plane, we buckle up, and we trust they're going to get us from where we are to where we say we're going to be. We trust Uber drivers. God knows that's a level of trust. We trust the government. We trust the sun and the moon. You trust the sun and the moon so much that you set an alarm clock based on knowing that in the morning the, the sun is going to be there and the moon is going to go away. You trust that every day of your life without questioning. You, you don't go to bed at night and say, oh, my gosh. Oh, I just hope the sun is up tomorrow. We trust mobile phones to the point some people have like almost pass out if they forget their phone or lose their phone we start searching for our phone like a crackhead oh my gosh I want what was my phone I can't live without my phone man that was a time we didn't have phones you remember those days phones I remember the day without the internet. I remember the day without the things that we put our trust in. And, and now we, we trust Google over God. First time you need, a, you need a solution for something. What did we do before Google? Please explain to me. What did we do? We trust, like, it's going to work out. But you didn't Google everything. The best recipes didn't come from Google. The best, listen, the, the, the best ideas of businesses didn't come from Google. Somebody had something in their heart that they believed this is what I was supposed to do. You didn't go Google how you're going to become a professional this or cook this. You just, you learn. You started from scratch. And there's proof. 5.6 billion searches happen every day on Google. Two trillion searches a year. A hundred. And and, but listen to this: People search Google every day. They go to Google every day. But last year, 100, um, only 181 million people read the Bible. But 5.6 billion searches, or 2 trillion searches a year, the balance is not there. 35% of Americans say they've never read the Bible. But I bet you they Google. And here lies the problem. If we're going to fulfill the mission that God has for us as people and as the local church, we're going to have to put our trust in God. I love what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 26. It says this that he who trusts confidently in his own heart is a dull, thick headed fool. But he who walks in the skillful and godly wisdom will be rescued. Did you hear that? He who trusts confidently in his own heart, you're a dull, thick-headed fool. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be a dull, thick-headed fool. Now turn to your second choice and tell them, don't be a dull, thick-headed fool. I'm praying for dull, thick-headed fools to leave out of the church. Amen. It's time for us to trust up and begin to put our trust in God. And stop mistrusting God. What does mistrust mean? It means to have trust or confidence. It means to have no trust or confidence. It means to be suspicious. So many people are suspicious when God says to do something. I'm so thankful for uh, 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 um, <clears throat> Pastor Richard and, and, and Pastor Nancy when, the, when God spoke to them to start New Harvest that they didn't have a mistrust. When they said to start this network and to start this fellowship, they didn't have a mistrust. They trusted God way before Google, way before the Internet. Here's the reality. You're either trusting or growing in your trust in God or destroying your trust in God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 13 verse 21, but since they don't have deep roots, we can get into something right now. Since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems and are and are persecuted for believing God's word. Why is it that we mistrust? It's more than what we think. It's more than the situation on the outside. You see, you didn't just become an alcoholic overnight. You didn't start trusting pornography like you did. You didn't wake up with unforgiveness and hate in your heart. You were not born suicidal. Where did this come from? How did we start trusting in all of these things? It's amazing to me when I look at what's happening in the world. Now, part of it is to understand that we are in the last days. But why even in the last days, believers and pastors? You know, it's just, it breaks my heart. But over the last couple of years during the pandemic, I've heard and read of of hundreds of pastors, pastors who have committed suicide. It's rooted from something. The things that are causing people to mistrust God, it's rooted from something. Proverbs 12 and 3 says wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots. Roots. You see, if in your life you're not seeing the fruit that you see that the word of God says you're supposed to have, I shouldn't just talk about the fruit. If you want better fruit... You must look at the roots. If we're going to break this mistrust that we have for God and the promises of his word so that we can fulfill the mission, we've got to look at the root of the situation. My gosh. Romans 15, 13 says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, Will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will be, then you will overflow with confidence and hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we got to get to what this, how do I bring this scripture to reality? How do I overflow with trust? How do I get to this place where I have this confidence to believe God? And no matter what's happening around me, no matter what's happening in my city, I believe that my church and my, and my marriage and, and the body of Christ, will we're going to make it, not just make it, we're going to <laughs> prosper. Yeah. If you don't like the fruit, Look at the root. Root is defined as this. It is the fundamental base that is attached to the origin of something that gives support and life. You see, the roots of something are small. Every beautiful tree you've ever seen, every beautiful plant you've ever seen and appreciated, it's because the roots were, they're they're small, but they're strong. Roots are often hidden, but they grow deep. Roots are the life support of whatever is alive. And so we have to look at the fruit. Look at the root if we don't like the fruit. You see, if you can't trust God and you keep trying to trust him, there's a reason why. You can't trust what his word says about whatever the situation is. There's a reason why. And it's not just because you're angry. It's not just because you're you, you're from a different race or you live in a different city or you don't have this kind of job. No, it's, it's deeper than that. You see, God has a plan. Let me show, let me show you an illustration of what I mean here. I'm going to show you uh, uh, an animated of a tree. And, and see, uh, the original design is that God said we should be fruitful in our life, in our, as believers in our believers. And and I'm telling you right now, I'm believing right now. I can sense in my spirit right now that God is going to minister. There's going to be some generational curses broken in your life tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Break it, Lord. In the name of Jesus. We're not going to just deal with the fruit anymore. Put it back up, put it back up, put it back up. You see, God intends for life as a believer, as, a, as Christians, for it to be fruitful. But a lot of times, we, all we do is pay attention to the fruit, what's on top. Go to the next slide. And what happens is there's anger and fear and shame and doubt and depression confusion, insecurity, jealousy, bitterness. And what we do is we look at these things and like, oh my gosh, why am I so bitter? And, and you know, I got to deal with this bitterness and I'm I'm tired of being angry, I'm tired of doubting, I'm tired of mistrusting, jealousy and insecurity and all these things, depression and all these things are real deal. But what happens is we focus on that and yes, we should pray for those things. But let me... Let's go deeper. Everybody say go deeper. deeper. See, if we're going to get to the place where we're mission-minded consistently, I'm going to tell you, we got to go deeper. And every single, every single believer, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you know the Bible from Genesis to the end of the maps, you still have to be on this every single day of your life. we got to look at the roots. Go to the next slide. You see, what causes these things, what causes these insecurities, what causes these doubts are the roots And what happened, we'd given our life to God, but we didn't go deep. And the unforgiveness and the generational curses and the negative information and the bad environments and the unhealthy relationships and the emotional abuse and the physical abuse and the negative words and the life experiences were never addressed. So even though you love God, and even though you come to church every day and every week, and even though, keep it up on the screen, even though you worship him, here's the deal. If we're going to get to a place where we are prospering and in, in the, in the mission that God passed for us, that our minds are constantly there, we've got to address the roots. We've got to address it. And here's the deal. You're not going to be able, in most cases, doing it, Yourself. Here's the problem. We try to do it ourselves. We try to keep it secret. I don't want anybody to know my life experiences. I don't want anybody to know the information that I'm listening to. You don't don't want to own that you're in an unhealthy relationship that keeps pulling you back into the darkness, what God just delivered you out of. You haven't dealt with the emotional abuse. You see, in the church, oh, going and seeing a therapist or a counselor, we think that's, uh, that's not faith and that's not God. But I cannot encourage you more than anything is to, you got to get some people in your life to help you address what, what's going on in your life. Is this blessing anybody tonight? I'm telling you, if we're going to trust God, we got to deal with some things. It is not just saying, God, I trust you. It's going to the root of the matter. Why do you keep picking up that beer? Why do you keep going to that pornography? Why do you keep cursing like you're cursing? Here's why. You keep listening to stuff that's cursing all the time. If you want to change the way you speak, you got to change the way you think. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, let's just praise God for about 10 seconds right now. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Online right now. Praise him. Come on. Praise him in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Not to put anybody in condemnation. This is not about condemnation. It's about getting free. People in fear. And I think we ought to use wisdom and do all the things that are happening. We should follow the laws of the land. We should. But at the same time, we should trust in God's word over everything else. I remember last October, I got COVID. And... Um, you know, I got what they call the Delta. I, I, I tell everybody I had, I had Delta, American, United, <laughs> Southwest. I had all the airlines. And while I am coughing uncontrollably, I honestly have never been this sick in my life, feeling like in the natural I'm gonna die. I was in between my cough. Um, <coughs> Father, thank you. <coughs> I am healed <coughs> in the name of Jesus. And I may cough a thousand times after that. You see, we got to get to a place. Or well, we're trusting God it doesn't mean that we're not going to have circumstances happen to us. It doesn't mean that we're not going to fall into these things. And, and, and I remember my doctor telling me when she saw my x-ray, it had an x-ray in my chest and it looked like a fog machine was in my chest. Because I had pneumonia at, at the level that you don't supposed to have pneumonia and 103 temperature for, for on two, three days in a row. And that I'm just confessing the word of God and believing the word of God. I didn't knock the fruit that I had. So I began to confess the word of God. My trust was in God, even though I had pneumonia, even though they're telling me that you need a miracle to keep, stay alive. See, there are people right now that have not come back to church in the physical. They've gotten comfortable. There are some people that have gotten comfortable and lazy. There are some people like that. But then there are some that are truly in fear. And I'm going to show you how the devil has trapped people and tricked you. I don't know who you are. I don't know you. Maybe I've met you before. But here's the reality there are some people that say, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to come back to church. But they've gone to the shopping mall, they've gone to vacation, they've gone to the movies. They've gone everywhere else You've been on vacation with people you don't even know And you can't come to church That's a trap My gosh Thank you Lord I already know I'm not going to finish this tonight I'm just going to do what the Lord says to do Amen How do you move from this place If you don't like the fruit Address the root a, I want to I read you scripture in, in Galatians chapter 5 because here's what God's intentions for us is. You see, God intends for us how do we replace the, the root. He gave, us, he gave us a formula to do it. In Galatians chapter 5, here's how you take all those things, put the bad root back up, the bad fruit and root back up again, please. Put that back up on screen. See, this is what people are experiencing. How do I move from this to what's next? How do I move to that place where I have, my roots are rooted in what God says? It's found right here in Galatians chapter five. But the Holy Spirit, verse 22, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness, Self-control, there's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, have nailed the passion and desire of the sinful nation nature, nature to, uh, to his cross and crucify them there. You see, here's what I have to do. If I want to address the, the, the roots, put the next slide up. I have to put love and faithfulness and peace and kindness and gentleness Self-control and goodness, that's the root. Here's what's going to produce happiness and courage and faith. Look, it's going to produce generosity, excitement, and clarity, and security, and compassion, all of these things. Empathy, and we can fill that tree up with fruit when you produce the fruit of the Spirit as your root. My gosh. Ephesians 3.17 says, Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That's worth a hallelujah and a shout right there. I, I can hear people saying right now, Pastor Lee, I... I can't trust something I can't see. I I need something physical. I can't see it. I I can't trust that. I don't believe that. You trust you have a brain, and you've never seen it. You've never seen your brain. Now, there's some people that have told you you act like you don't have a brain, but the reality is you wake up every day, not like, where's my brain? You believe you have a brain. You've never seen it. So don't give me that noise. You can't trust in something you can't see, because you've never seen your heart, but you trust it. You've never seen your kidney, but you trust you have one. Amen. First Peter chapter one, verse eight says, "You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Praise God. Why is this important to have him in my heart and trust in him now? Trust in God now when you don't need him so you will have trust in him when you truly do need him. I'm gonna tell you something, because life is not predictable in the natural. What is predictable is what God's word says. There will be ups, there will be downs. You will face challenges, you will have difficulties. And, and, and I can tell you right now, we, you know, um, it's amazing, but there was a time, and, and I not believing God that this is the ultimate, but there was a time Just a few months ago, a couple years ago, if someone had told you, you're going to be paying $7 a gallon or $6 a gallon for gas, you would have said, there's no way in the world I can afford to pay $6 a gallon. But you have not stopped driving. (laughs) You may not be driving as much or as far, but you believe that whatever, it doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter. You have that trust. It's going to be taken care of. So you have more trust in you than you know. The difference is we got to stop speaking to it. We got to stop speaking to the situation. Stop complaining about gas prices and believing that listen, cuz something else is going to happen. As soon as gas goes back down, it's going to be something else. So my trust has to be fixed in him regardless of the regardless of the crisis. Life will come at you Unexpectedly, and when it does, Pastor, I'm gonna trust him. You need to trust him. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Life will come at you. You ever been on an airplane? And out of nowhere, I've been on many planes. I've flown millions of miles around the world, and I've been on airplanes where it's smooth, and I think I'm telling you, it's going well. Everything's great. Flight attendants walking around, smiling, and then all of a sudden we hit an air a a pocket of air. They call it turbulence, and it's like boom, 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 and people started moving around. People start. I hear people screaming at times. Even myself, you know, it's amazing. You grip onto that chair, like that's going to really save you. It comes out of nowhere. That's what life is like. You see, life will come at you with turbulence. But the reality is I'm going to put my trust in God. And now in the natural, here's, what, here's, a little, here's a little hack that I use outside of my trust in God that I believe that this plane will not crash. This plane will land. I have a mission so I, I tell people, I, I say it in my breath when they, they be screaming and all. I say, it's okay, guys. It's okay. I say it in my breath. It's okay. We're going to make it. I'm on here. <laughs> it may be a little rough, but we're going to make it. We go, this plane will land. But you've got to put your trust in God when life hits you that way. We've had a turbulence in our world. We're in a turbulent moment right now. But look what Psalms 37.3 says. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Verse five, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. You want to know, let me give you a way to trust God in the midst of a crisis. Look what it says Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Here's what you do. If you're in a place right now where you are believing God for something, do good for somebody else. Give to somebody else. Sow into somebody else's life. You don't have enough to pay your bills? Listen, I'm telling you right now, sow into someone else. Because while you're doing that, God is speaking to somebody to sow into your life. You do good. And the Bible says you're going to live safely in the land. You're going to prosper. Everybody say, I'm going to prosper. Yeah. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. My gosh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> commit, the Bible says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Notice what it said, trusting is not. Trusting is not crying. Crying. Now, I'm going to say something to you. There's a doesn't. I have been in a lot of things, and I have cried while I was trusting God. There's a difference in crying in trust and crying out of trust. I have cried while I was believing God for something in my life. I've cried because I trust him all the way to, you know, you ever trust God so much it just brought you to tears? Not to fears, but it's trusting him. And I've, and, I've, and I've cried, Lord, thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, God. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, every need is met. I trust you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. Lord, I, I'm, not, I'm not crying in fear. I'm not crying because I don't believe it's going to happen. I'm crying because this is the joy of the Lord in my life. And I, I cry in joy. Hallelujah. But there's a cry that you can do that's not. When you're whining and you're crying, that's not faith. That's not trust. You're whining, <laughs> God. Why are you always blessing her? <laughs> you know how long I've been believing you for a wife? <laughs> he walked right up in here. He's been in church seven days. He married. I've been in church seventy years. Here's the second thing that trusting is not. Complaining. You want to know if you're not trusting God? You find yourself always complaining? Fussing? Dissatisfied, nothing pleases you. You're not in trust. The third thing that trust is not is being critical. Disapprove everything. Why are we doing this summit again? We have this summit every year. I thought we arrived to the, to the peak of the summit. We need to do this and we need to do that. You're condemning everything. Everything and God's doing in someone else's life, you just condemn it. that's not God. Who are you to say what God is? You believe God for yourself and let God deal with everyone else. Mm mm-hmm yeah here's the next thing that trusting is not comparing if you find yourself comparing yourself with other people you got that kind of spiritual jealousy spiritual hating going on look at her over there praising God can't stand her Lord, I'm not going to hate, but you know. He don't know. He knows that you are comparing yourself. One of the worst things you can do is to compare yourself to someone else. God has an individual blessing. God has an individual thing he wants to do in your life. Trust him for that. Stop comparing yourself to him and her and them and that. Stop comparing your church with another church. Trust the Lord in what he's told you to do. You want to know another reason, another way you're not trusting God? Compromising. Lowering your standards. Spending stuff and stealing stuff and saying this, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. And you're lowering your standards and you know you're stealing. If you're not paying for your Wi-Fi... Come on. If it's not, let's put it this way. If it's not being paid for, you using your neighbor's Wi-Fi. You cannot inherit the blessings of God. If you're watching movies, downloading illegal movies. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Come on, we got to we got to trust up now. we got to trust up. we got to deal with the things. Come on, let's deal with some stuff. Let's deal with it. Come on, man. Let's deal with it. You're stealing stuff and saying the Lord is. No, no, no. Listen, you've you got to change some things if you're going to see the blessings of the Lord come in your life. Amen. I'm just, I just believe that God is blessing somebody tonight. If you've been blessed by this, come on, give God praise. Give him praise. Amen. Amen. Lord, I trust you. One of the greatest examples, and I'll close with this, with this of trusting God in the middle, and trusting God when I make mistakes, and trusting God with my mess. There's no better example than David. David was a poster child for trusting God when the giants were bigger in his life. David was looked at, he was hit of low expectations, others overlooked him. Uh, I mean he was uh, he was mistreated, uh, he was He was betrayed. He was disappointed. There were so many things. He lost his covenant with his friend Jonathan, the death of his son, uh, Absalom, all of these different things that happened in his life, but he was promised so much from God. But how did he do it? He faced Goliath and all these things. How did David trust God in the midst of all the stuff that happened in his life? He was sought after to be killed. And, and, And David showed us an example of trusting God in the midst of crisis. Look at Psalms 31, Psalms 31, and, and, and this is so beautiful because this shows me, and then when I was telling you a few minutes ago, I have cried while I was trusting him. I have, listen, I've been, I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I trusted him all the way through it. In Psalms 31 verse 9, it says, David says, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Look, this is the man, the Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart. But look how David said, He says, Have mercy on me, Lord. I'm in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I am scorned from all my, by all my enemies, despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. Anybody feel like this sometimes? Come on, let's be honest. He says, when they see me on the street, they run the other way. I am ignored as if I was dead, as if I was a broken pot. I have heard the many rumors about me. I'm surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. That's a, listen, that's a lot of stuff. You complaining about the, the Wi-Fi is not working. You complaining about $6.50 worth of g- gallons of gas, and you have money to actually do it. This man said, this is a man after God's own heart, and everybody's trying to kill him. They're hating on him. He's he's dying sin. I mean, everything you can think of, he just mentioned it. But look what he says in verse 14. But I am trusting you, O God. You are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant in your unfailing love. Rescue me. If you haven't heard anything that's been said in this conference, you haven't heard anything I've said tonight. I want you to circle this in your Bible. I want you to write this down. I want you to print this out. I want you to put this on your mirror, put it in your dashboard on your car, put it on the refrigerator, and you say every single day. Instead of saying, "Oh my gosh, look at what they're doing," look what CNN is saying, look what Fox News is saying, look what the internet is saying. You look what Facebook is saying. Take your face out of Facebook and put your face in his book, and you begin to say. This is what you say every day. This is how I get into the mission of God. But I trust you, O God. You are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from these things. Lord God, thank you in the name of Jesus. Let your favor shine on your servant. I thank you, Lord, that I am walking in your unfailing love. Thank you, Lord, that you're rescuing me out of this situation. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Oh, come on, let's just give him another 10 minutes of praise. Come on, 10 seconds of praise. 10 seconds of praise. Praise him. Praise him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I put my trust in you. I trust you, Lord. Woo! we got to have the mentality of a giant killer. David had the, the mentality of a giant killer. You have giants in your life. I get it. We all do. But this is why I like the word of God. It teaches me how to keep trusting him. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David, they play, it was a, it's a playbook for trusting God in the middle of the giants in our life. It is actually a playbook. And the Bible says in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, here's David, a teenager. The Bible says that David left his things in verse 17, and uh, verse 22. He left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to, to greet his brothers. Now what happened, they're out there fighting, and, and, and they're, about to, they're fighting, and, and, and then you know the story of David and Goliath. This is the story of David and Goliath. So before all of well know everything that happened, his brothers were chosen. David was going out to take his brothers a three-piece and um, you know and and take them some food, and he began to hear all the stuff that was happening. And so in verse 23, as as um, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks, and didn't David David heard him shout? His unusual, or unusual taunts to the army of Israel. And look at this. As soon as the Israel army saw him, they begin to run away in fright. I believe in Jesus' name that New Harvest and New Harvest associates and churches that are part of this, when the world shows up, when the giants of the pandemic continues to show up, you're not going to run away in fear. Because you see the giant. Glory to God. And they will ask you the questions like here in verse 25. It says, have you seen the giant? Have you seen the pandemic? Have you seen the gas prices? Have you seen the inflation? Have you seen the jobs that are being lost? Have you seen the cost of living? Have you seen how houses are going up? Look, look, he says, and the men ask, he comes out each day. Every day the devil is going to show up. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. <laughs> and David, I love David. David is a man of trusting God and faith. David asked the soldier standing nearby, "What will a man get for killing this Philistine?" <laughs> <laughs> I love young people. That's why I, I, I'm so glad. I love young people because you know what? Young people have no fears. Man, young people, believe. this is why we got to teach our teenagers and our young people to live for God because they have no fear. They believe nothing's impossible. They can do anything. They believe it. David says, wait a minute. Uh, uh, wait a minute. Say it again. What will happen for the man who kills this Philistine? This, and then he started, then David just started disrespecting him from the very beginning. He says, who is this pagan Philistine anyway? that he allowed to defy the armies of the living God. And these men gave David the reply, yes, there is a reward for killing him. And when David's older brother heard him talking to the men, he got angry. Listen to me. Know this, that when you're trusting God and you're going against the giants in your life, there's going to be some people mad at you. There's going to be some haters that are saying, oh, my gosh, how can you do this? My Lord. Then his brother started telling him. And see, here's the deal. They'll try to take you back to your past. He says, he says, his brother heard him talking to the men. He was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? What about those few sheep you were supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just, you just want to see the battle. That's going to be people just trying to take you back to your past. When you say, I don't, I don't smoke anymore. I don't drink anymore. I don't do that anymore. How can you say that? Because I'm free. I like what David said in verse 32. Don't worry about this, Philistine, David said. I'll go and fight him. And then they started saying, don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous to think that you are blessed. What makes you think that you can grow a church? What makes you think you can preach the word of God? What makes you think you can live holy? Don't be ridiculous, they said. This Philistine is possibly... uh, uh, can." There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy. You are only a girl. You are only this person. You're only that person. You didn't finish. College. You never went to Bible school. Who are you? You cannot do this. You've been this way since you were a youth. Your family has never gone to college. You've never not had bills. You have never not been sick. Don't you know that alcohol and cancer and all this stuff runs through our family? But this is, listen, they're going to tell you that. They're going to try to hold you to that. But you got to remind them. This is where our trust, we got to get back into our trust. Everybody say, Trust up. Yeah. My gosh. Oh my gosh. David, the Bible says David was persistent in verse 34. And look what David said I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And when a lion and a bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from his mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by its jaw, and I club it to death. I have done this to both the lion and the bears, and I will do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this pandemic. Yes. What did God do in your life before the pandemic? Look at all the miracles and the blessings and the breakthroughs and the deliverance, all the things that God did. He will rescue you again. But you gotta trust up. Woo. I get it, you're facing some giants. Some of you are facing a self-image giant. Others are facing a marriage giant, a health giant, a spiritual giant, a financial giant, an addicting giant, a workplace giant. You're emotional giants, but you will take that giant down. I'm going to ask the worship team or whoever plays to come up. I'm going to close this out, but I, I just, my gosh, listen. Listen. Well, I want you to see that you can overcome these giants. you got to trust up. It doesn't mean that you leave right now. It doesn't mean you leave. It's Friday night. That was the time on Friday night you was just getting dressed to go out. (laughs) And I get the giants are in our life, but you got to trust up. See, sometimes facing a giant, I get it. it. It may feel impossible. It may feel intimidating. You may feel isolated. You may feel like this is insane. This is crazy. Every time we trust God to overcome the giants in our life, our faith merges with his faithfulness and he makes the impossible possible. My gosh. Go ahead and start playing. Go ahead and start playing my Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says that David went to go up against Goliath. And Saul came to him and said, put this armor on. And David began to put the armor on. And David was a a little guy. So, this armor was too much for him, really. the Research tells us about the, the size and the weight that was on David. And David says, I, I can't wear this. It's estimated that Goliath was nine feet tall. The helmet that they put on David's head was 66 pounds. The armor weighed 175 pounds. The spear tip. On Goliath's spear, his spear, uh, researchers said it weighed anywhere between 15 and 20 pounds. But David, all he had was a slingshot and five, the Bible says, smooth stones. There was a reason why the stones were smooth. He looked for five. There's a reason why he chose five. Because what happened was David knew up front that Goliath wasn't the only giant. There were actually four more giants that could have possibly showed up outside of Goliath. You see, when you have the Holy Spirit, He'll speak to you ahead of time, trusting in Him. He'll give you spiritual strategies. And the five smooth stones, the reason why they were smooth, because smooth stones move faster. They're more accurate than just picking up any stone, just picking up any podcast, picking up any book. Picking up anything, just no. You got to pick up the word. Um, <clears throat> pick up the word, and uh, and here's the thing I'm going to say to you: We got to start to activate our authority in God. David got that those stones, and he was prepared. To take down the other four, even though he was only speaking to one. See, there are other giants coming. Get the word in you now when you don't need it, so it'll be there for you when you do need it. Get the word now when you don't need it. Trust up, trust in his word. Activate your God given authority. Everybody say, Activate, Activate. your God given authority. God-given. Don't be afraid, don't be timid to operate in your authority. You have authority. On earth as in heaven, the Bible says. And Jesus transferred that authority to you and I. Let's walk in that authority right now. Starting today. Here's the second thing you got to understand. You got to aim your weapon. Aim it. Don't just speak the word, just speaking it. Aim it. What's in your life where your trust has been challenge. Aim the word at your marriage. Aim the word at your children. Aim the word at your finances. Aim the word at your health. Aim the word. Start speaking the word. Aim it and speak over the situation with the smooth stone of the word of God. Hallelujah. Arm yourself with the word of God. The Bible says put on the full armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the strategies of the devil for we're not fighting against flesh and blood." You're not fighting against the president. You're not fighting against the government. You're not fighting against the Governor. You're not fighting against the state. You're fighting against the devil. You're not fighting against your boss. We're not fighting against flesh and blood but against evil rulers, authorities, and unseen worlds, against the mighty powers of the dark world, against the evil spirits in heavenly places. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Let's praise God.